0: This episode of That Song From That Movie is coming up after this.
1: Hello and welcome to Field Off Screens, the sports movie podcast. I yeah. really enjoyed this. Me too. I thought it was really funny. And Yeah, me too. Each week, me, David Kifford, the sports guy, and James Rowling. Hello there, movie guy here. The movie guy. We watch the a movie. movie. And talk about said movie, and of course they are all sports movies. <laughs> it was awful, awful. Yeah. What are they doing? Yeah, well, None how's of your ever f- working? Yeah, how's your yeah, family? Was... You will lose. Is he Scottish uh, in it? Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> says. I mean, it's not hit the heights of his uh, <laughs> Viagra adverts. That is all I could think of. I was not really convinced at her efforts. We'll we'll go into detail after that, I think. Okay, alright um, uh, I found it a bit boring Yeah <laughs> um, It wasn't the most engrossing watch <laughs> I so, say. so thanks for listening to this podcast And uh, yeah, we'll catch you for the next episode I would say I have got What I would consider some entertaining content To bring up <laughs> Mind. Sorry about that. It's always next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week we're joined by Alice as we go back down the Disney animated movie rabbit hole. What did we find out? Well, find out on today's episode that song from that movie. Who loves you?
0: Jesus. It's
1: taking me too long to answer that question. <laughs> the answer is you do. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Journey Through the Very Best and Worst of Movie Songs. I am your host, Tweedledee Trick, and <laughs> it's an honour to have him here on the podcast today. For you see, today is his own birthday, Alex.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> very fortunate because my actual birthday is every other day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you like the Queen, but like times 150. Yeah. No? 75? Because times 150 would get you more off towards 300. (laughs) Sure. And he took the red pill to see just how far the rabbit hole goes, Ben. It was a lozenge. The pills are metaphorical. What did I eat then? (laughs) What have you been watching this week?
0: Um, Not much. Just TV, unfortunately. Um, Vigil, uh, which is going to be really out of date by the time this episode comes out, because it finished like three weeks ago.
2: Was it H again? Uh, It was, yeah. Knew
0: it. Which is weird because there is no H in Vigil, but uh, they, they sort of somehow managed to uh, to work it.
2: But there is an I. Ooh. What? I don't know. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it.
0: I think it's probably called HMS Vigil. I think it's called HMS Vigil, though, so I guess there is a H. There. Yeah, there you go. But I, I have also been watching the TV show... Squid Game vicariously through memes. Uh, I've, through not, memes. I've, not wa- yeah. I've not watched I've not it, yet. it I've not watched it. I've just seen it yet. It. <laughs>
2: I've been I've been very tempted. Yeah. One day I'll get around to it soon. Yeah,
0: just just enjoy the memes. That's what I've been in, embracing.
2: No, but I've been avoiding the memes because I actually think this thing might
1: be quite good and interesting. I can't
0: tell. It's one of those things really where like, I don't know if everyone's just posting about the bird box. The
1: reviews are really good. The reviews are really good. <laughs> right. It does look like a knockoff version of the condemned.
0: <laughs> let's be honest. I, I like that. D. I like. I haven't
2: haven't seen. Haven't seen that there. review on the Guardian.
0: Yeah. I like the option you went for there. Not the Hug Games. Not Battle Royale. The best version of that type of story, the condemned with Stone Cold Steve Austin I mean, and Vinnie jones It's true. I love that for you, D. It's true
1: for. about you, Ben? What have you watched?
2: Um, I've been, I watched I watched um the last black man in San Francisco. That was a very good film. Um, me and my wife are watching TV wise that Midnight Mass. Yes, um, what well, third of things. The, like the Christmas thing? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the one by the guy who did um, The uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Is it
0: good? Is it? Um, is it worth what?
2: I think it's slow to start. I, I'm very much into it with one episode to
1: go. Okay. Um, so yes, I am enjoying it. Dee, what about you? Well... Other oh, than PUBG, of course, <laughs> of course, um, <laughs> it's still going. It's like never, it's like five it's, years old. But anyway, we've watched the very first. Because I, I mentioned before on the podcast, we would started watching the anime My Hero Academia. Uh, uh, yeah, I have also watched this. Yeah, we watched the the first movie, not My Hero Academia, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, but <laughs> the, the first movie. I have not watched the the um, movie uh, versions. Just watched the show. Are they good? Uh the first one the first movie's good. We've not got the second one yet. We're, we're trying to race through it all so we can watch the third movie which comes out in cinemas probably when this episode comes out. And you can sh- you can share that cinema with uh, the stereotypes of people that go see uh, uh, animate the cinema. Me?
2: You. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely me. I don't know what you're talking about. So I- it's like a, it's like a very popular anime. It's kind of like a superpower high school sort of thing. Of oh, course,
0: obviously. I kind of got already it. in my head it's kind of like they're all dressed like Sailor Moon.
1: Yep, every anime Sailor Moon. Yeah. And I am when I go to the cinema. <laughs>
2: that's not even for that film.
1: Can't wait to see James Bond in it.
0: Yeah. Have you, I, I expected that either of you two
2: would have seen
1: James Bond already. But no. No, I've not had a chance to go see it yet. I've had no time it to sounds, cinema.
2: <laughs> it's it's very long, apparently. What is that? Three hours, yeah.
1: I hear it's very good. People I've seen the I've seen some decent reviews, out there.
2: Well, I'll probably say I'll probably have seen it by next week's episode.
1: Really, we should have done Casino Royale and No, Casino oh, did we that. should have, should not we? Uh, Skyfall and Spectre. We've been saying we're going to do it. For we so waited long. so long, <laughs>
2: no, we, no, we didn't actually do it. <laughs> do it for the DVD release.
1: Good chat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is only six weeks away.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So this week we take another step on our animated Disney marathon. This time we are looking at the songs of Alice in Wonderland. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. Oh, yes, it is definitely time for some history. Yeah, thank you, Alex, for the reverb.
2: We're going back to July 1951. Harry Truman finally agrees to declare that the US is no longer at war with Germany, which was very confusing to read. Because I thought it ended six years earlier. What are you doing? <laughs> but apparently, no, they didn't actually fear, uh, sort of end the war until nine years, 10 months, and 13 days after they initially declared war on Nazi Germany. And they were holding out just in case. They wanted to be the last one to end the war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it was something to do with they wanted to try and get a unified Germany before they kind of, you know, yes, let's finally, <laughs> finally let you go off into the wild.
1: <laughs> uh, but they have to give up on that experiment. Do you think at any point you're not going to have a World War Two related story when we do these Disney episodes? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, it's just been going, hasn't it? I will, I can try. <laughs> I will try. I'm telling you now, it comes back around in a big way around Frozen time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, definitely will. In other news of the time, uh, the novel Catcher
2: in the Rye was released, written by J.D. Sanger. Still to this day, it finds itself on almost every top ten list in the US for most often banned books, according to the National Library Association. I have never read the book. Alex, does that make sense? Um, that it's been banned. <laughs> well, why is it like continuously is still today in 2021 banned in some places?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit surprising if you actually read it. <laughs> but there's things like prostitution in reference in it and things like that. It's like a teenager just Heavens! going around New York, just like doing adult things. Yeah, I don't know why okay. it's in band. I mean, I think in our circle, it's most famous for winning us about £150 at a pub Quizzles.
2: It literally was the first thing I yeah. re- I thought about <laughs> when I saw this fact. It's nice to have shared memories, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Um, and in other news of more related news, July 1951 saw the release of the Disney classic Alice in Wonderland. So, Alice in Wonderland. As you may well be aware, is an animated fantasy film, fantasy with a capital F, which follows the adventures of the incredibly naive and cavalier Alice, who, while chasing down the white rabbit, falls down a hole into a magical world in which she encounters an array of weird and wonderful characters. I am assuming, as with all the Disney classics so far, of which this is definitely a classic, that you have seen this film. So what do you guys think?
1: Personally, I wasn't a huge fan of this movie. Uh, well, I'm still not a huge fan of this movie. It's, it's all right. It's all right. I don't think it particularly lands for me because it doesn't feel like a real proper fleshed out movie. It sort of feels more like a collection of skits <laughs> that are loosely tied together because Alice herself is in the scene. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess that's sort of going back on what we said before, like in the sense of when we did Pinocchio, I think it was, I complained that it felt like three episodes of a Pinocchio TV show put together. Well, I mean, it's better, it's better than that. <laughs> it's, it's certainly better than those like god awful compilation short movies that we skipped over, thankfully. But I suppose similarly, it's not as visually interesting as like Fantasia. Yeah. So it sort of lands in the middle for me in, in the like I said before the all right category. Just not a huge fan, but not a huge detractor of it either. That's fair.
0: Yeah, I think there's some good points from D. I think it does feel a bit like little segments stitched together with no real cut through. I think they tried to fix that, didn't they, with the sort of Tim Burton one. But actually, I still prefer this original cartoon animated version to that weird and uh, strange film version. <laughs> I, think I kind of don't mind the sort of haphazard nature of this one because it kind of fits more with the the sort of like perfectly mad, like weird story of Alice in Wonderland. anyway. I think maybe d something xm could have maybe taken it a bit further with like the kind of, psychedelic nature but i do think there is elements of it in there definitely like sort of oh, yes. off the back of uh oh yeah uh like dumbo and things like that it's probably 90 percent responsible for all of psychedelic rock of the 1960s um, <laughs> yes the, the other 10 being LSD, of course <laughs> there are a lot of songs aren't they? there are a lot of songs in this one i think oh, you mentioned okay. that there was about 18 until like
2: i, I think te- yeah i think technically there's 14 official songs right. but there's some that are just like kind of uh, almost like uh, reprises or one-liners
0: and i think obviously we'll get into the songs but for me I, I had a very clear visual recollection of this film from my childhood and seeing it not too long like a few years ago but there's none of the songs stuck in my head the only one no. wasn't even a real song and that's the i'm late, I'm late. <laughs> the very important and that's the only one i could actually remember off the top of my head
2: so yeah,
1: exactly the same. I'm exactly
0: the oh, same. Oh really?
2: I could I, I do this with my wife every time. I mean we'll go on this uh soon. But yeah, I could name a few, but she always names more. Sorry, Um <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm kind of the same. Um what I watched it back the other day and there's something I don't know if it's being an adult, but there's something I always find quite jarring. And I can take all the fantastical stuff down the line, but it's the connection of what happens to get there when it's just like, oh, there's a rabbit talking. Let's go into this place. And everything is really normal until the end. She's like, you know what? I might not get out of here. (laughs) And then there's like, you know, kind of like a, a slightly somber moment. But other than that, she's just like, oh wow yeah all these weird things are Ticks happening all in it's a a stride. yeah incredibly like almost too, like when she's falling down the rabbit hole she's like well this is a bit of a sort of a slight bother <laughs> but other than that yeah the characters there's so many famous characters in here and i know it's hard to sort of compliment a film i guess if the if the characters are from the source material but i associate them with this film and my childhood connection to this film cheshire cat mad hatter Marge Hair, <laughs> the the I forget what the caterpillar is called, but talking a <laughs> Biffton, there's a lot of great moments. Uh, Queen of Hearts, there's it's very very visually iconic. Yeah, definitely. Are we both aware of the origins, Alex? I'm leaning towards you being the only well-read individual of this um, trio. The
0: origins of the story itself, yes. Well, obviously, it's Lewis Carroll. I think um, Alice was was like his. Oh, uh, she she was she was a real person, but I can't remember the actual relation. I can't remember whether she was his niece or, or whether she was like the the daughter of like a friend or something. And she used to be at, around his house, or and he wrote the story for her. I can't remember the full the full details.
2: You you more or less right. We'll go into it soon. Yeah, I'm um the the relation. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but yes, he regaled these stories while they were often on a boat. It was these three sisters of which Alice was one of them and yeah he made these stories personally for her and um, i think she encouraged him to publish them and he did and yes here we are so the original story is known as alice's adventures in wonderland which was written in 1865 by Lewis carroll as i said and he described his protagonist alice as wildly curious which i would definitely <laughs> go with and yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of modern critics, especially recently, like kind of praise the development of the of this sort of female character. And I was thinking, compared to sort of the female protagonist we've had so far, Cinderella Snow White, she's a lot more assertive, she's a lot more articulate, uh, while still bless- uh, like still possessing like a lot of sort of virtues, innocence, politeness that like you get with those two characters. But she's uh, a lot more
0: confident. She definitely drives the story, doesn't she? Yeah. I guess much more than everyone. Definitely.
2: Yes, yeah. She don't take no shit. She definitely don't take <laughs> no shit, um, which sometimes gets her into bother. There's quite a lot of sort of um, positive praise, I guess, with, of her as a protagonist, um, which is quite interesting to read. And Alex, you leaned on it slightly there. There's a lot of, it's kind of like those sort of cult like hypotheses around the film of the like the psychedelics you know the drug induced that it's all sort of like you know yeah alice is just (laughs) done shrooms like she just huffed a plant and you know and this this is her kind of you know rubbing her face into a local rabbit which some people take really seriously and other people just do it as a slight mockery but i was reading there was a lot of psychoanalysts in the 30s and 40s so like early psychologists freudian sort of style um and if you don't know anything about freudians the one thing to know is that everything was related to sex and childhood and that everything could be interpreted in that way and a lot of freudians criticized uh lewis carroll because they believed alice's personality was simply a reflection of the author's own desires in which one one very famous psychoanalyst described lewis carroll as a repressed sexual yeah. deviant and that yeah there's a lot of sexual imagery in the film and things like this i mean you can find sexual imagery in anything if you try hard enough and often uh, psychoanalysts did try fairly hard.
1: Any psychoanalysts out there? If you want to analyse this podcast to see where the sexual tension is, let us know. I'd be very intrigued. I I would say this is a very sexless (laughs)
0: podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Lewis Carroll is a a bit of a problematic character, though. I won't uh, bore the lessons, but there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, Like I always say, I'm getting the word, and uh, you guys might know what I'm referencing there. But there is a lot of, uh, yeah reports and stories about um about that so i won't go into more detail but yeah so there is a lot of actually there is a lot of weight behind those things
2: that upsets me because i hate <laughs> psychoanalysts <laughs> uh, sort of especially of this time there's a famous story by psycho a uh, very famous psychologist um i think it's michael isenk his surname's isenk anyway he went to a conference when he was quite young and it was a bit it was filled with room of psychoanalysts and someone on stage was referring to the reason behind the Miner's Christ was related to uh, the male fear of going inside the Mother Earth's vagina. And he said he wanted to laugh and he looked around the room at all these sort of wise men like nodding their head like, yes, yes, yes. And it was like, that's when he knew psychology <laughs> was dying. <laughs> so I, w- I would prefer to leave them in the dirt. But anyway, moving on. The film at the time was considered a bit of a box office failure on a budget of around three million. It made just under two and a half at the box office which is quite poor uh, because they'd just done quite well with Cinderella. You would have hoped that this would have launched them uh, into further future successes. Um, It did have a re-release in the 70s and it made another three and a half million. So I guess you could argue in the uh, cheating ways of James Cameron that that counts. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of considered the first sort of cult success of Disney. It's considered a classic now. It had a good TV run, a good VHS run, later in the uh, sort of eighties and nineties, I think Walt Disney you, you played it one of the first films on his TV show, which was called Disneyland at the time, and it did really well uh, through sort of television views. Uh, and I guess it made its um, it made its success that way, so in a less natural way, which is quite interesting, really. I don't know if I've ever considered it a cult classic, but you know, people on the internet do, and who am I to argue with them?
0: Don't do do it. Yeah, definitely don't do that.
2: Never. (laughs) Definitely don't do it. I'm talking to you, Internet. Talking to you.
1: American listeners, this one's for you. Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the US Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop-off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shopping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with the promo code POD, you'll get a special offer that includes four-week free trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in POD. That's Stamps.com. Promo code POD. Stamps.com. Never go back to the post office again.
2: There are a lot of songs in Alice in Wonderland. A lot of songs. In fact, the most number of songs in any Disney Ever. Or oh, up to this point. Um, ever. Uh, oh, ever, yes, ever. There mm. is no Disney film that has more than 14 official songs. And off that, and this will be a slight disclaimer, we will not be covering 14 songs in detail because some of them are so small and so boring and so insignificant that uh, I will be wasting my breath and your capacity to listen to my musings by trying to spin a yarn so we're going to focus on a few select standout ones and i'm going to ask alex and dietrich to be pulled along with me through that if you two will be so kind go on then (laughs) sounds (laughs) so, so so enthusiastic
1: feel free to refer to the podcast from here on as some songs from some parts of the movie yeah
2: Just as catchy. Um, So, yeah, originally, when they were looking at making the soundtrack, Walt Disney wanted to capture some of the poems in the book. Uh, Again, I'm not familiar with the source material, but apparently there are a lot of poems. He brought on the great Frank Churchill, originally in 1939, so 12 years before the film came out, to write the songs for this film. Frank Churchill we've spoken about already on this podcast in relation to previous Disney films. And if you may remember, he did not have the best of luck with Walt Disney. They had a lot of arguments. Um, he committed suicide in, I think, the early 1940s. And none of his songs were chosen for this film. Walt Disney clearly didn't like any. I think a few of them were sort of like pulled apart and some parts were taken. But the film was supposed to come out in the 40s and they just kept pushing it back. So he then went, Walt Disney, to Tin Pan Alley, which we've also covered. Tin Pan Alley was a place in New York where a lot of staff writers, musicians, composers worked. So it's just a street in New York. They wrote a lot of the songs for Cinderella. Uh, and I think in future Disney films that we'll come onto. They covered a lot on there. And again, they wrote, I think, a few dozen songs. And, well, Disney wasn't a fan of any of them either. Um, (laughs) It sounds like he's a man who's hard to please. (laughs) Shock horror. Although there was one song that he did like, and one song that made it into the film. And to me, spoiler, probably the best song, which is the unbirthday song. So we've gone from Frank Churchill to zero, Tim Panelli to one. Where do the other 13 come from? They come from a composer named Sammy Fane, which I think is a very, very cool name, and lyricist Bob Hillard. Not school, cool, sorry, Bob, to do the rest of the songs from the film. Sammy Fain was a, or at least is now, a nine times nominated individual for Best Original Song at the Oscars. He had won twice uh, for Calamity Jane, Which is a pretty decent film, and a film I have never even heard of called Love is a Many Splendid Thing, which (laughs) I'm judging by the name is probably from around the 40s. (laughs) Doesn't sound like the kind of uh, film that would get made today.
0: Oh, it's a horrifying name for a film.
2: It is Love is a Many Splendid Thing. And yeah, he will again also come up in other Disney films in this series. But you've kind of alluded to it. Could you really only name the sort of song in inverted commas from the white rabbit from this film
0: yeah i'd actually go as far as to say that Terrible. we listened to the songs there was only one other that i recognized and that was the young yeah. birthday song <laughs> every other one i was like don't recognize any of these
1: i am literally the same
0: especially the i like, the guess which kind of like is almost the lead song which we'll cover soon not not the actual title track but the one that alice the first song that alice sings i had no recollection of that at all
1: the westlife song westlife song we got a little world around <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right i thought you were I, I thought westlife had actually covered one of I these songs and i was about to scramble to youtube i'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you I, I could name a few more mostly from um, disney sing-along vhs tapes i had as a kid but you can tell how there isn't really a standout famous song because when you google alice in wonderland songs all i got to come up was avril lavigne <laughs>
0: I, I, yeah, and I didn't even know yeah, what that same. was from. 100%. No,
1: no, no. I assumed it was from the new one? Is it not from the was new it one? it from,
0: but what's the new one? As in oh, the, 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 one. the Tim Burton ones? But there's two, isn't there? So I don't know yeah. which one it was from.
2: I didn't even grace it with a listen. No,
0: I didn't either. So I'm not i am putting my Good. ears towards
2: that. Good. <laughs> no. One thing that I would like to mention, which is a slight personal tale. When I was at school, now I, I subscribe now to the, you know, greatest gift from the heavens the playlist lo-fi hip-hop beats to study relaxed relax to are we familiar yep yeah alex are you familiar
0: uh, no i am not
2: are you not familiar with the anime girl that's in a perpetual state of studying for the past sort of
1: like 10 years yeah it's every single youtube recommendation is it have you never i mean are you unaware of this yeah i'm unaware of this. do you not use the internet do you not <laughs> yeah i was about to say are you aware of lo-fi
2: music alex uh, not really. He's not really. Oh I'm so out of and touch. I am so out of I touch with glad. his J D Salingers I'm, and his, his Lewis Carrolls
1: and his books
2: <laughs> and his <laughs> and his books and his words. It's kind of like a very almost dreamlike, sort of soft R and B element. I don't know how you describe it, D.
1: I would describe it as lo-fi hip-hop beats to study to.
2: <laughs> okay, there you go. Google it after this, Alex, and you will never feel more settled. But my point is, my first. Mm-hmm introduction to sort of lo-fi dreamscape music was a youtuber called pogo who did remixes of alice in wonderland and i i think a lot of sort of dreamy lo-fi music it fits quite well with that sort of escapism you know it's kind of losing yourself in a headspace go listen to pogo's music after this oh perfect and that's the last i'll mention that before i get into the actual songs that you guys are here for while Alex leaves us to go and look. Oh, lo-fi. Lo- lo-fi R&B. Lo-fi hip-hop beats to study slash relax to. Not to sleep slash chill to. I mean, you can do also that as well, but it's you It's a girl, it's a little anime girl in the, in a like, bedroom studying.
1: Oh, with a window in the background. Yeah, maybe a cat Looking out to the world.
2: Oh, okay, yeah, she's got
1: headphones on with like a red that's and green
2: sweater. that's the one. Just, you know, honestly, that's the greatest playlist ever.
1: They both say live on them at the moment. Yeah, because they're live. Oh, they're, yeah, just always they're, running. they're still going. They're always
2: running. Oh, they're not, I see. It's not like an actual playlist. They never stop. Yeah. Oh, there's 36,000 people watching it right now. I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me through this podcast. Okay, well, I'll give it a listen after this and uh, I'll report back. The first song of the film is so titled Alice in Wonderland. It is the title card song, of which we are used to with the Disney film so far. They always seem to have a title card song. In this case, it's performed by the Judd Conlon Chorus under the Mellow Men. Very cool name. Uh, what do we think of this one? It's Like I say, it's a fairly common place to start with the Disney animated features we've gone through.
1: Yeah, uh, allow me to get all my notes from the song entitled Cinderella from the movie Cinderella. <coughs> I've nailed my colours to the mass for this podcast when it comes to opening credits, so I think you know I appreciate this opening for what it is, even if at this stage we have covered five or six and they're all the same. End. I'm
2: surprised you save your notes. I
1: know. Yeah. They just go in a notepad.
2: I have I've I watched the film like two days ago, listened to the song a few times. It, it's disappeared mostly from my head. Something about over and underland. Uh, which I think is a clever line, and that's about it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I. <laughs> yeah, I've got literally nothing else to add. The only thing I'll say is that there is a so on on CBBS, which I watch more <laughs> than anything else nowadays. They do like pantos every year, and there is an Alice in Wonderland one, and the theme from that is more stuck in my head right now than the actual theme for this Disney film.
2: Can you give us a give us a on. you know two step?
0: He just goes, Alice in Wonderland.
2: Yeah, I'm sold. Fair I'm sold. Yeah, sounds bad. Yeah,
0: I mean there are more lyrics to it, but that part yeah. just like just goes, just you know lives rent free. Has Dee said many times on this podcast. Uh,
2: yes, no, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, I'm the same. It's very, it's very meh. Which is most of the songs in this. Oh, I've got cramp. Oh, I've got cramp. Oh God,
1: <laughs> we're keeping this in. Well, <laughs> this is definitely staying. <laughs>
2: Okay, what was I saying?
1: Um, I believe what you said was I've got cramp. <laughs> something wrong. Oh, oh, did we notice that the intro didn't have a book opening?
2: Oh, did it not? I've not. I've not noticed. It, it that was it. just
1: painted stills. yes. I did see. Yeah. Now that you mention
0: that, yeah, big progression or a downgrade or a downgrade. <laughs> yeah. It seemed, uh, yeah. It comes across as cheaper. And it's funny, isn't it? Because it is literally a book. This one. As yeah. Well. I
2: mean, they, they lean heavily on the source material. I guess. Yeah. So far, they've all been sort of. You know, eighteen hundred young adult children's stories. I'm I'm trying to think for the other films. In I wonder when they stop that because we've got Peter Pan to come. Lady in the Tramp. Yeah, yeah. Sword in the Stone. Sword in the Stone. A uh, Sleeping Beauty. Hundred and One Dalmatians is a is a book. Is Lady in a Tramp? Oh, that I don't know. Anyway, similar to other songs that we've covered in other Disney podcasts, this song is a very famous, apparently jazz standard. Should have guessed that. Which is still one of the most baffling things that I've learned going through these early Disney films, that famous uh, jazz musicians, they love to cover Disney songs. change the key, but Dave Brubeck, Oscar and Bill Evans, they've all got albums dedicated to the music of Alice in Wonderland or uh, put it on some of their famous albums. A few like critics, uh, I was kind of reading jazz critics, say some of their best works. Bill Evans, I think especially is apparently this song. <laughs> yeah, I just find it weird. Like, even, like, sort of the the, the lyrics like to be sung. Um, I always think, when I think of, uh, sort of, like, someone singing jazz for some reason, Louis Armstrong's gruff voice always comes in. I'm not going to do the impression again because I can't do that. But it just, it seems a very weird, mm, sort of, successful match. And I guess it's one I'm here for. <laughs> Question mark with an upwards inflection. Yes, very much so. But yes, this song opens the film. You see Alice being easily distracted from her sister, I think it is. I think, or is a mother? I haven't, can't remember now. Attempting to educate her, but this young free spirit is having none of it. Choosing instead to talk to her cat about her ideal world—one filled with the kind of weird and wonderful anthropomorphic creatures we're soon going to see. And so she starts to sing the song In a World of My Own, which is sung by Catherine Beaumont, who does the voice of Alice. She also does, for a fun fact, the voice of Wendy in the upcoming Peter Pan film. And when I say upcoming, in this podcast, not in real life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, by upcoming, I mean it was uh, released 70 years ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even in her 80s, she's still, yeah, you know, Peter! Uh, what do we think of this song? I I think this one's incredibly catchy. I've been humming this all day. It's been a shower song for me.
0: Yeah, I think it's a nice song. Again, it was one that I did not. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier, just did not recognize it at all. But the parts of this film that I remember are the parts when she goes down the rabbit hole. I don't really remember that because this is pre that, isn't it? This is like she's uh, in the grounds of the house where she lives before she goes down the hole and sees the white rabbit, etc. I think I don't have any recollection of that part of the film, but when I listened back to it, I thought it was quite a nice song. And it's it's a it's a buzzword uh, on this podcast. It's a "want" song. Yep. <laughs> um, I think it serves its purpose. I think obviously it outlines all of Voice to come in terms of what she <laughs> yes. wants to see and the characters. And I think that's obviously an intentional choice by by the songwriters to kind of make that all make a bit more sense. It's a little bit like the end of. You know, The Wizard of Oz, where she's like, you were there, and you were there, but the other way around is (laughs) before.
2: Yeah. (laughs) There's something you said there, like, it serves a purpose. I think that could be used to describe most of the songs for this film. Like, they're not like, (laughs) okay, we're building up to that big song. You know, it's going to be sort of like, you know, this huge song. It's just like, oh, we need a song to go over the scene. Uh, You know, we kind of have sort of these jaunty tunes, stick a song in. It just doesn't feel like they're setting up for anything, really.
0: Yeah, well, it's weird because this song feels like it is the setup, is the setup for yes. the film, and then the rest of it, I completely agree, like just just there to serve the purpose. I mean, <laughs> to serve some that. other purpose. Yep. they just simply there to carry, yeah, 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 yeah. whereas this all, one... Goes. All
2: filler, no killer. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was a nice song. I, it, it didn't influence me in, the, in, in any other way. I wasn't singing it in
2: the shower. <laughs> it's not inf- It's not inspired you like Mozart sort of, to write your next magnum opus?
0: No, and nor did it inspire me to take uh, psychedelic drugs.
1: <laughs> not anymore, anyway. Fair. Not anymore. Fair. I echo most of what Alex is saying there. Um, it's a pleasantly good song. I sort of get a sort of almost jovial feeling of a mother singing mm. to a like a young child to try and make them laugh i, I know it's it's actually a young girl to a cat <laughs> but um it sort of has that sort of uh guardian to younger vibe a okay. bit mary poppins i suppose yeah. i know she's not a mother two of those children in the film i should say
2: <laughs> yeah no i get that i get that i find it very sort of dreamlike very hazy i, I find it just like super quite relaxing I guess in the film, she's like laying in the grass as well, singing it. I find it very, yes, soothing. Once I get over Just Like Cinderella, God, the animation of the faces in these films are terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Add some shading. Add some shading. They're so amazing at doing backgrounds. What are you doing with these characters? Anyway, fact-wise, originally, Beaumont was supposed to sing another song called Beyond the Laughing Sky, which supposedly had similar themes, but was a much more of a slow, longing ballad. And probably going to be the big song for the film now i've sent you guys a link to a version of this sort of a staff singing version of this yep. uh were you able to listen yes what do you think of this then um this song beyond the laughing sky
0: well first of all the video you sent was an absolute treat <laughs> which is like hi i'm what well, <laughs> i'm so
1: I'm yeah it was perfect
2: <laughs> so disney so dis so disney isn't it <laughs>
0: yeah oh well let's not talk about it oh yeah i loved it and she's just in a small yeah. like cinema oh yeah everything about it's lovely i think the song i think it's interesting because uh, did they say that the song ended up being in peter pan
2: they, they well they melody. i guess the same melody is used for the song um uh gosh. second third star something like that yeah star a direction.
0: Second and direction she, star she, she right, made yeah. reference to the fact that the original song was sort of their attempt that song sorry uh, this song that the laughing sky was their kind of attempt at somewhere over the rainbow and, and she makes a funny joke about the fact that she couldn't sing as well as judy garland which i think is very uh, clear when you hear the song that the, she does sing but it's kind of nice in a way because it feels more like musical <laughs> theater like it's more acted oh, rather really? than sung it's kind of a step away from things like uh, snow white definitely where it's all very performative, whereas whereas this is kind of it feels more natural in some ways. The song that I, I'm I'm getting confused about which song we're talking about, but I'm kind of talking about the song that's in the film. That one, the one that she actually sings, sounds you know it works in that way. But the 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 laughing sky one, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was interesting what she said about it being similar to Wizard of Oz because. All three of those films, so The Wizard of Oz, in Wonderland and Peter Pan, are very similar story-wise. <laughs> they all end up going to like a magic... They're all like quite naive children who end up like okay, finding themselves in a sort of magical land. They're all the same story, essentially. So I thought that that was kind of interesting that they were clearly trying to replicate what The Wizard of Oz does well in this film. They didn't succeed. It's nowhere near as good as The Wizard of Oz. I think everyone would agree mm. upon that. But, well, I hope they would, because The Wizard of Oz
2: is just an absolute classic. But you, you, you think the songs are similar? I don't think the songs are similar in terms of <laughs> quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, obviously <laughs> we have <laughs> Somewhere of the Rainbow, often cited as the greatest movie song of all time. Exactly.
0: But I can see that they're trying to replicate that um, or they, with the original song. But I think she spoke about, didn't she, that they changed it to a more up-tempo song. And yeah, uh, probably like an easier key so that she could sing it. So she Um, could sing. (laughs) But I think it still works nicely, but it it feels a bit odd because it's kind of like she's talking about all the things that then happen.
1: Yeah. Thematically, it's maybe too close to Somewhere Over the Rainbow. That's what I was saying. (laughs) And it's a beautiful song, but I think the song they picked does fit the the feeling of the film better. I agree.
2: I agree. Yeah. yeah, definitely. to put
1: it on a postcard.
2: To put it on a postcard, yeah, yeah, that's, that should be our motto. I also liked, uh, fun fact again for you guys, something I wasn't aware of, that they often performed a lot of these songs or the scenes in live action and then sort of superimposed it into animation. So Catherine Beaumont, as a sort of young actress, did a lot of these scenes uh, and then and the artist sort of drew her and then drew her into the film. And uh, they did the same for Peter Pan, which I didn't know they did.
0: No, I didn't. I was really surprised when I saw that as well. But I, I was no. like, it kind of makes sense, I guess. But yeah, it was interesting to see her acting the bits out and then uh, and then the animation and how similar it was.
1: So that brings us into part one of our look at the songs from Alice in Wonderland. We didn't get very far through them. I apologise. But we'll be back next week, next Thursday with another episode. Or if you're listening to this in the future, just go and hit play now. So see you next week. I'll see you in a few seconds. Bye.
2: it's very sort of dreamlike like a kind of hazy song uh oh my pacemaker
1: my pies are done <laughs>